Hello, and welcome to Automators, a show about automating your Mac, iPad, and just about anything else you own. I'm David Sparks, and along with me is my pal, Rosemary Orchard. How are you doing, Rose? I'm great today, David. How are you? Good. And we have a guest today. Welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Hurley. Oh, thank you for the full name introduction, David. I, David Sparks. I can't help kind of myself. Name. I just do that. <laughs> it's because of Rosemary. Because, Rose, you have the best name to say in full. I know, right? I know. And Everyone I, I likes love to it. call you Rosemary Orchard, because what a name yeah. it is, right? So and now I'm Michael Hurley. In my head, she's Rose, but when I say it out loud, I can't help but say Rosemary. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. What do you prefer, Rose? Mary? I answer to both, and I actually like both equally. So, okay. <laughs> and they both that. sounds really nice. So I can't, I can't argue with that. Well, good on your parents. Good on them. Yeah. Hey, um, we're not here to talk about Rosemary's name, though. We're here to talk about automation. And uh, Mike, you are a very particular guest, that, and we are very excited to have you on the show. And one of the reasons I like having you on the show, Mike, is that you are, you know, you're one of us. You know, you're not. Uh, somebody like Sal Sagoyan, you know, or Federico, who spends hours and hours planning out automation, but you're a guy who gets his work done. And I know for a fact uh, from our friendship that you are constantly looking for ways to use automation to make everything a little easier. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're looking for with this show. You know, we're not looking for everybody to take over Sal's job, but we are looking for all our listeners to be able to, to you know, ease the process a little bit in their life. And that's why I thought it would be fun to have you on. Well, I guess one of the things for me is, like you mentioned, like I'm always looking, and I am, I'm always looking for ways to try and make things run a bit smoother, but most of the time without the tools to know how to do it, right? So like they, they I just, I can't sit down sometimes in front of a, an app or a program or whatever and like just work it out, you know, like someone like a Federico can. Like Federico, like he can just sit down in front of, shortcuts and just make it happen where i'm i don't really have the skill completely to do it on my own and sometimes i need to like make these frankenstein creations from other people's work or just beg and plead my friends to to help me (laughs) but there's nothing wrong with doing that i mean that's kind of part of the fun you know like taking Mm -hmm. something that does most of what you want or half of what you want and sticking it together or something else you know if, if it gets the job done who cares right yeah, if if you look at all the Max Sparky archives of all the Apple scripts I've published over the years, very few of those did I start from scratch. You know, almost yeah. all of them started with me going out on the internet and finding somebody that solved a similar problem, and then making adjustments. And I think that's true for iOS too. Yeah, and I totally understand. Like, this is a thing in development, right? Like Stack Overflow, where yeah. like, people just Google a thing and then they find something and it helps them get through. This is what people like Casey List tell me all the time when I make these complaints about myself. But now, when you, because I mean, you started on a Mac before you became, yeah. you know, the, one of the iPad guys. Um, how involved were you with automation in your Mac days? Not very. I mean, so. My Mac life began in 2005 and, you know, I kind of had spent at that time, I was like 18 years old with my first Mac, I would spend a lot of time just tinkering around, you know, like just like, what does this do? What does this do? And I used to watch, um, some, some listeners might remember this, before, well, Mac Break Weekly is a podcast and has been a podcast for a long time. But there was also a video series called Mac Break, which went alongside with it. And I remember, it's like the first time I ever saw Salsa Goyen was like on Mac Break and he was talking about Automator. So like I spent some time trying to understand Automator. I built some like renaming Automator actions, you know, like file rename and stuff, like the most basic that like everyone seems to kind of begin with. But it never really clicked for me. Um, so, you know, I've never tinkered with Apple Script. I don't have any automator actions that I run. I own Hazel, and Hazel does, like, a couple of super simple things for me. Like, so right now we are talking on Skype, and because whenever I'm talking on Skype, I'm typically recording a podcast. I have Skype Core Recorder, the app that I use, automatically record the files and drop them in a folder, and I just have Hazel watch that folder, and every three months it deletes files that are older than you know like so like so every three months it deletes old files 
you know, stuff like that. So it's like a rolling list. Yeah, I think uh, we call we call that the podcaster hazel rule. Everybody eventually exactly. gets that one. <laughs> You've got to get it because I've because you, you know who, who thinks about deleting those files. And then I also have some like Federico Vitici made as many of the things that I used. Federico made these hazel scripts or like detailed these hazel scripts years ago for photo management that I still use. So I have. I have Dropbox like uploading my my photos from my iPhone, and this just like takes those and sorts them into year and date, and just puts them into different folders. And it's one of those things that I literally never use this, but I have two terabytes of Dropbox space, and the scripts work, so I just leave it going. Yeah, it's a backup. I mean, but that's the kind of thing that you know that if you ever need to look back at your photos, and you're like, I know this happened in 2017. Exactly. So you can look back and you can just look at 2017 and that narrows it down so much. And just having mm-hmm. a consistent naming format of probably, I'm guessing it's going to be date time um, as the naming format or something along yeah. those lines, then, you know, that makes it really easy to look at. And that's something that everybody can use. So yeah. I, I would argue that one of the challenges with automation on the Mac is that it is really not as friendly as automation is on iOS because Apple Script. You know, it, it's a little bit of an oddball. I mean, it, it you have to, in trying to make it natural language, sometimes it gets harder for people, and and it is it's it's a skill you have to learn. It's not something that mm-hmm. you can just start pulling blocks together. I think that's kind of why uh, Sal wanted to make Automator to begin with, and then when you contrast Automator to Workflow, which turned into Siri shortcuts and iOS. Um, I don't think Apple gave Sal enough resources or support to build out Automator the way we would have all liked to have seen it, you know, and whereas yeah. Workflow and um, and Siri Shortcuts really is much more far-reaching for someone like you who just wants to kind of like get a little, get a, you know, dip their toes in the water a bit with the stuff. There's a lot more you can do on iOS. Well, I mean, let's just take, have a really obvious comparison. You can still, you have pretty much always been able to, as far as I know, be able to create automated actions. Microsoft discontinued their automated actions like a couple of versions ago. This last year, Siri Shortcuts was announced, and now practically every app I use has some kind of Siri shortcut, including some ridiculously unuseful ones, which are things like message my mom, I'll call you in a five minutes. Like I, I just messaged that and then I called her. So it's like, I'm not going to need to use that one again. Thanks. Thanks, Siri. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, just looking at the uptake of it, I mean, partly, of course, it's down to the user base. There's a lot of users there. But I think it really is the chicken versus the egg problem because, Workflow already had this user base and all of these great actions and the support from like the automation nerd community. Um, you know, uh, other people were willing to jump on board because the users were already there. And yeah. so, yeah. So, Mike, when did you see the light about automation on iOS? I mean, at, at some point, it became a thing for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I had spent time tinkering around with IFTTT, right? Like, like. All of these services, like most nerds, they pop up and you sign up and you play around with them. And, you know, I kind of had an idea for some stuff that it did. I set up some IFTTT actions that I will mention later on as, you know, because I know you're going to ask me for some examples of things that I use every day. Um, But then for me, really, everything clicked with workflow. Um, That was when I started to be much more interested in playing around with automation even though i ended up with doing a lot of things that aren't done with workflow you know like using zapier and stuff like that it was the way that workflow broke everything down and enabled me to play around and build these weird and wonderful things like making my computer do something where i wasn't interacting with it that kind of made me realize that such a thing as automate computer automation could be achieved by me um, and then once I kind of started on that path, I started looking for tools that were like it. And that was how I ended up stumbling upon Zapier um, for web stuff. And then eventually, you know, it, it all got better with with shortcuts. But really, that is kind of workflow was my introduction into this stuff, because it gave me a system and a framework that I could work in that I could understand, but then also helped enable me to think in terms of i have a problem to solve can the computer do it for me as opposed to me 
manually completing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, we talk often about, you know, like with respect to text expander, you know, if you find yourself typing the same thing two or three times, can you text automate that? I always forget text expander. I've obviously been using text expander forever. Yeah. Right. Like all the way back in the day of like downloading, I think like either Brett Terpster or Sean Blanc made like a typical Apple product correct spelling corrections yeah. set of uh, words. Like I've used text expander forever, but it is one of those things. You know, everybody says this, I know, and, and but I've used it so much that, it just feels like part of the system. Like I even have it on my PC now, which is great. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yes. <laughs> but but you know that same logic applies, I think, on iOS now with with these web services and with Siri shortcuts that you catch yourself doing something repeatedly. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can get that trigger in your brain that says, "Huh, maybe I could automate this," quite often you can. Yes, most definitely. So let's talk about some of the things you're doing. Um, the uh, I want to talk about Zapier and IFTTT later because, like, despite your protestations that you're not a big automator, the fact that you're using web automation puts you pretty far down the rabbit hole, my friend. <laughs> but the, uh, mm-hmm. so we're going to okay. talk about that in a minute. But the uh, yep. but before we get to that, let's talk about Siri shortcuts. Uh, how are you using Siri shortcuts to get through your day? Ooh, I mean, so many ways. All right, so would you like some like examples of stuff that I'm doing? Yeah, start at the top of your day and walk us through like a couple of shortcuts that you use like at various different times. So I have a handful of shortcuts that I leave in the notification center widget, right? Like they're the ones that I'm using the most. So my first acted upon series shortcut every day is disable alarms. I do not wake up easily. And set, I'm not kidding, about 17 or 18 alarms on like 15 minute increments. (laughs) Okay. I've had situations in my life where I will sleep for a very, very long time unless something is, unless a a computer will help me. So uh, because of the amount of alarms that I set, um, you can imagine my joy when uh, Siri shortcuts got, you were able to do a work of alarms. Yeah. So I have a morning alarms and disable alarms. They're two different shortcuts. And they quite simply, I just tap them and they either turn on all the alarms that I need and then turn the, press the other one to turn off all the alarms that I need. So it's just like a very simple thing, but I love it. And if you're not, and if you're not aware of that, that was a, an update in 1.1 of Siri shortcuts where before it was like you had to discover an alarm, you had to set it and then... Yeah, Go and then there. they completely broke it at one yeah. point. Um, yeah. And then, like, you would tap it, and no matter what you did, it would always open the app and make you watch every alarm be set. Like, it was a bit wonky for a while, but, like, yeah, in, in 1.1, not only did they add the ability... I think, basically, they rewrote that part, and they added the ability for you to, in Siri shortcuts, there's just a native... Well, in shortcuts, there's a native action to allow you to add an alarm in um, as opposed to just doing that thing where you'd have to toggle alarms on and off and hope that they get donated to the system. Yeah, that was slightly ridiculous. Have you ever considered combining those into uh, one shortcut, which just checks the time of day? And if it's, you know, say before 2 p.m., then it turns them off. And if it's after 2 p.m., it turns them on for you? Not until now, Rose. Not until now. Okay, Uh, there we go. That's a possible upgrade for you. Rose will do that to you. Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> see because this is the thing where it's like where i i think of I myself where i feel like i'm getting better at this stuff when you said that i was like i have no idea how you do that and then i just spent like 15 seconds like having my brain churn on it it's like oh i think i know how i could do that i don't think it would be very elegant but i feel like i know a way to do it right like just and this is the beauty of of workflow it's the magic variables that was yes. the big change for me. Magic variables was a huge change because it it gave me that kind of power and control of a variable in a language I could understand, which was visual. Um, and being able to like just choose those little uh, little kind of pill shaped guys and popping them in where they need to go is is really something that helped me out a lot, and it continues to help me out today. Because I mean, that's that's what I would do if I was going to create a shortcut like that. 
Well, I mean, just to, to, uh, to tell the listeners how I would do this with your, your mm-hmm. two examples, uh, I would get the current time, I would format it to just the hour, and that's HH, and then I would do an if. And if it's less than yeah. whatever the hours that you put in there, I would run the shortcut to turn the alarms off, and else I would run the shortcut to turn the alarms on. Because then you've still got those two shortcuts. Uh, so you would keep two separate shortcuts and yeah. then just have the one kind of master shortcut which can pull from either of those. Which is the one that sits in your notification center to give you more space. But then that also means that you can include those two shortcuts in any other shortcuts if you need to or want to in the future. That's cool. Or you can modify it without having to scroll through 525 actions or something. That's the thing. The the run shortcut shortcut action. So this is where you're able to you're able to at any point run another shortcut inside of a shortcut and you just get to choose which one it is from your existing list is both a blessing and a curse yes it's a wonderful thing to have but it also means that the amount of shortcuts that you have exponentially increases still with no real way of sorting them yeah yeah I, I, uh, my, my sorting mechanism is called the search. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's basically all I do now. Like either I know something's near the top or I search for it because yeah, by the time I scroll down like, 800 yep. shortcuts, like that's not happening today. I was gonna, anything that I'm using frequently will go into notification center. No, oh, sorry. Like into the, um, act, the extension. In, uh, the today widget. This is it today widget. There you go. The, the names have changed so much oh, that I have yeah, lost complete it. like understanding of how to name those things. So yeah, they all go into the widget. Um, anything else, I'm going in and, and searching for. But it's m- more rare that I have to do that. I also use a lot of um, shortcuts from the action uh, extension. Yeah. So like I have one where like my accountant uh, requ- just at some point required me to use this app this like service for my receipts, which I really didn't want to do. Everything was going into a Dropbox folder and then I was just giving him a link to a Dropbox folder every month and that was like great for me, right? Because that's nothing. But it's like this app called Receipt Bank, which is like super weird. But I found out I could link it to Dropbox. So and it will ah. watch a Dropbox folder and pull the receipts in. So I have like a, just an action that uploads to a specific folder, right? Which was why I, that was the reason why, if you remember again, when Shortcuts 1.0 launched and it didn't have that action, oh, I gosh. was so upset because it was saving me so much time rather than, because because of the way this thing integrates, you have to go to like Dropbox, apps, receipt bank, receipts. And I really didn't want to have to do that every time. So I, I do. I this is a, a shortcut that I run very frequently. Um, whenever I get an email receipt, I, I, I use Spark, and so I just turn it into a PDF. Spark has the ability to do that natively, and then I just uh, share it with the you know. I just use the share extension and pop it in Dropbox using the, the that from uh, shortcuts. Yeah, I have a bunch of shortcuts exactly like this. They save to mm-hmm. basically just specific folders in Dropbox yeah. for me. And it's that's wonderful. Wonderful. During those dark days, uh, I had a Hazel rule on the back end on my Mac that would look at the file and then move it to the appropriate folder. That was what I thought my kind of future was going to be, right? Yeah, because me I too. was always planning on getting a Mac Mini to have for these types of things anyway. And I was like, well, when I get the Mac Mini, I'll just have Hazel watch the folder and do the manual moving. But it was, it just felt like that it wasn't fair. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay, I can do that. But, you know, so I'm very pleased that that was something that they added back because that's a great action. Yeah, we were waiting for quite some time on on that one. Everyone was, get, I was getting really worried that Dropbox wasn't going to come back. And thank God it did. As somebody who was narrating Federico Vitici's audiobook, uh, <laughs> that came very late. That that actual yeah. edition, I think, was in the very final beta, like a it few was. days before it came out. So yeah. we had to, he had to rewrite a bunch of his review, and I had to <laughs> re-narrate a bunch of the review to include because he was very upset about it, as you can imagine. Yeah, uh, but then it was all fixed, so we could take it out again. I was at a, a conference a few years ago, and there were several Dropbox developers there, and then we got to know each other, and and I I learned that they're actually quite conservative about jumping into Apple system technologies. That that they're nervous about that over there, and I'm sure that that was really a question for a while at Dropbox whether or not they were going to buy into Siri shortcuts or not. And I'm glad they made the right decision at the end. But I I actually not sure whether that came. I think that this came from Apple. It wasn't shortcuts because this was um, 
it was a native action that they had yeah. because it, it's not a Dropbox action. It's just no. a write to a specific folder action. So it integrates with files. Well, so it's actually through it the Dropbox files. API, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. See, but then it's still Apple's call though, right? It's like, Apple's call, cool, but Dropbox yeah. has to approve them accessing the API. Um, because, yeah, like they don't just let everybody automatically have full access to the API of the folders of anybody that's potentially logged in on the device. I can't remember precisely how the authentication flow goes. I think it pushes you to the Dropbox application if you have it installed. If not, it does it in Safari. So you yeah, do have to be logged in. This is the save file action. And yeah. the only two options you get are iCloud Drive or Dropbox. They're like the only two options actions that are available. You used to have Box in there when it was Workflow, but that disappeared when it became Shortcuts, unfortunately. For a while, I was running Workflow and Shortcuts side by side just for the Dropbox stuff that I didn't want to migrate. I'd like to wind back a minute to the Today View discussion. I, I think that this is something that a lot of people are starting to encounter as they get better at using series shortcuts. They start making more of them. Uh, it is a pain in the neck to load the app, and there's no folders. I mean, obviously, that's got to be on a whiteboard at Apple somewhere to, to make that better. But I've solved the problem the same way largely Mike has, and I've put everything into Today View widgets, and I have these meta shortcuts now that are nothing but launchers for other shortcuts. And like some of them, like I've been pl I've been playing oh, with Toggle yeah. and there's mm -hmm. literally shortcut launchers, launching shortcut launchers, launching shortcut launchers. Because, you know, you break it into <laughs> categories. Like if you, um, if I've got a whole set of categories based on legal work, I've got, you know, you, you tap one, then that opens up those timers. And I, 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 but I've categorized it pretty well. Like for instance, I have a photos button, just a little camera series shortcut that launches all of the photo related shortcuts I've made. The one that resizes an image for posting to the talk.automators forum or the one that gets me into Instagram. All that stuff is just under one button. And I've got it down now to about 10 icons in the today view that gets me into the whole cool. world of series shortcuts. And that, that's been the best solution for me um, so far. Also, it's super fast. The, the, it was funny. Like This was something that uh, I, I had a conversation with some of the people at Workflow when it was still Workflow and kind of mentioned this. And they, they thought it was kind of funny at the time. Because if you remember, uh, the way that you can launch actions and shortcuts, it didn't exist in Workflow. You had to go in and yeah. press a button, right? Like it wouldn't yeah. launch from that main screen. And I was like, oh, you should always, I said, I always launch them from the, the Today widget because it's way faster that way. And they were like, really? I was like, yeah, because you don't have to watch yeah. your animations. Because you used to watch the animations go through as it would go through the workflow. But when it was in the, the, the widget, there's no animations to watch. So it always performed faster. So that was why I ended up getting into the habit of using it. And even like, you know, Gray's uh, method of, of putting all those shortcuts on his home screen, um, that is a little mm -hmm. slower. Um, it, because... That's actually, that can in some cases be a lot slower because it shows you to Safari. Safari t sends you over to shortcuts and then you get to watch the whole animation. Um, so for the few that I do have on my home screen still, um, I actually have, they are shell shortcuts that just say, that just run another shortcut and the animation is turned off because you can turn on or off the show when running. And if you turn it on, then it will push you into the new shortcut, into the, the shortcut that you're running inside of the shortcut. Um, this is getting very nested. Uh, but if you turn that off, you don't see that. And then it oh, does run cool. faster. It's not brilliantly fast but it's better so just to clarify you're making a separate shortcut that's a launcher for the shortcut you want on your home screen and, and just and you just turn off show and run yeah just to speed it up because like a lot of mine it, it's got repeat loops and they're quite long so it scrolls down the repeat loop and especially if it's doing an api call that can take a few seconds and then it pings back up to the top of it and if you're watching it after a while you might start to get seasick just because it's sending you up and down up and down up and down and then eventually you go down to the bottom that is actually an an excellent tip because what you're doing is forcing it to run without watching the animations right yeah which will which will which will speed it up yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, I spent a couple of hours one day like tinkering around with the uh, kind of the the shortcut home screen idea, right? Like, yeah. I was thinking like, oh, what would it be like? You know, as you, you guys wrote your episode about this too. Like to 
think of my phone as an action-based thing rather than an app-based thing. And it's still an idea that, that I like, but it's too slow and clunky yeah. in a lot of places. Because Android does this way better. So the, the, a lot of actions that you have in Android can just be exposed. So, for example, you know how we can use the 3D touch and it brings up the options, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you get... So, like, let's use Todoist as an example. Like, you can 3D touch on Todoist and you get, oh, you can add a new task, right? But when you tap that, it opens the app, then opens the task field and lets you type in. Now, on Android, it has these things too where you long press, but you're able to drag these actions out of that menu and put them on your home screen mm-hmm. and with Todoist's one when you tap it it doesn't open the app it just opens a small ui right in front of you and you can just and the keyboard pops up and you can just add a task and i like that a lot more i'm hoping that what we're going to get like um next year is the ability to take certain actions from shortcuts and put mm-hmm. them on our home screen or in our today widget um so things like adding a new action to todoist and right. like you can put in like ask when run in certain fields and then pre-fill other ones and the pre-filled ones will just be hidden for you so that you don't need to see them. Um, and then hopefully also developers will get the ability to add to these because of course at the moment it's uh, the ones that developers can donate are purely, um, they're, they're not interactive. If they need to no. be interactive, they have to launch the application, right? So yeah. Yeah, I hope we'll see something like that soon because, yeah, as you said, like Android is definitely winning over iOS in that respect. And I still think the idea of action-based icons is a great idea. And I'm still running some even despite, you know, some of the frustrations that way. And also that's the reason why I find myself on my today's screen so much more often now. Part of me almost would like to have the phone launched to the today screen because of these automators, um, I'm sorry, I call them automators, because of these Siri shortcuts that I use so often. Well, I think a lot of people would like the ability to launch the Today screen or to merge the Today screen with their home screen. And I'm sure we're going to get something at some point where it's going to be easier. In the meantime, I'm using Launcher quite a bit to get certain apps to appear with shortcuts in certain locations and stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah. or at certain times of the day. So like when I'm outside of Austria, then it shows like my general travel widget, which has certain apps and certain shortcuts that I use, um, which is very similar to your technique, both of you, uh, where you use the, the shortcuts widget a lot. Yeah, and, and so we're using things like Launcher and... Um, you know, Launch Center Pro to kind of hack around the limitations in Siri shortcuts. But ultimately, this is a problem that needs to get solved inside Siri shortcuts. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander is a fabulous application which allows you to type just a few letters and instead have it generate words, sentences, paragraphs, even complete letters, which you can then enhance by adding form fields. Text Expander stores all of your frequently used phrases so that you can easily turn them into snippets and it will suggest things as well. So if it starts to notice that you're typing the same things regularly, it can help you turn that into a snippet. Text Expander works in all your apps so you can use it everywhere. Pages, Word, Excel, Illustrator, InDesign, even apps like Drafts on iOS. Text Expander instantly updates new and edited snippets between your Mac, iPhone, iPad, and your Windows machine, so you can spend less time typing and more time doing what you really want or need to do. You can even join free snippet groups for job recruiters, freelancers, airport codes, brand names, and more on the Text Expander website. I use the brand names snippet group, which is available for free, so that I can make sure that I get correct capitalization all of the time. You can also use Text Expander in Teams so that you can share your snippets with either one coworker or even an entire company of colleagues. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast now for 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Mike, uh, let's uh, let's talk about some more of your, your favorite shortcuts. All right, so... I have one called Yoga Time, which is very simple. Okay. Uh, I don't wear an Apple Watch, uh, so I can't track my exercise using the Apple Watch. 
but Shortcuts has some actions built right in for uh, the health app. So when I hit the yoga time, it puts my phone on Do Not Disturb for 30 minutes and sets a 30-minute manual workout into the health app. Um, and I haven't done this yet, but uh, I'm, I also like to do my – I also like to do yoga, do yoga at home. And I like to do it without, with just a little light, like not a lot of light. Yeah. So I'm going to add a home kit action um, to just to set the lights to low when when I'm doing that. I just haven't added that in yet because I only thought of that yesterday. Okay. But that's just a nice little simple one that I, that I use. Yeah, but that's great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you had the right yoga application, theoretically, you could even stoke the workout. But I'm guessing you probably want to use something like an iPad so you can actually see what you're supposed to be doing. That's exactly it. I, th- I, I did have that in there at one point that it would then just open my yoga app because you can just have shortcuts open any app, right? Yeah. But I don't. I tend to set the uh, the the shortcut on my phone because I want my phone on Do Not Disturb right yeah. during that yeah. period of time. So then it's not the right place for the for the app to be opened. I've, I haven't checked. Can you write the health data on the iPad as well, or do you have to do that on the phone too? That's phone only. It yeah, is, it's phone Health only. is yeah. not available on the iPad. Yeah, so um, yeah. which is something that frustrates me no end because at the very mm-hmm. least, like, allow me to read the data that's in there out. Yes, it doesn't make any sense because it it's syncs like between the, two iPhones. Why can't you just let me have it on the iPad? Exactly. There is, this is the reason that I actually started this what this shortcut because the app that I use, um, which is called uh, it's called Daily Yoga, it has a Apple Health integration but it doesn't work on the ipad yeah right so it, it it can write the health data but only if you use it on the iphone so that was when i was like hmm, i wonder if shortcuts has the ability to to add that and as has been since shortcuts existed typically the answer is yes now as yeah. opposed to no um and yeah there's health actions in there so i can even uh it even lets me choose that it's yoga like it, it writes specifically a yoga workout to the health app for me which I like. So, so you've got a phone on do not disturb, write the health data. You're going to add mm-hmm. lower the lights to that. Yes. What are you using? Yeah, and are you using light bulbs or switches or how are you doing that? Uh, I use hue bulbs. I have hue bulbs. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice workflow. But, you know, once again, the stumbling point, I think all of us, the obvious stumbling point is you would like not to have to throw the switch, right? I mean, the, once you yes. load the yoga app to have it go through and you know, app-based trigger and just go and do those things for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this would be, yeah. I mean, of course, you have the, the slight difficulty in that you would uh, open the yoga app on your iPad. But I mean, if they just make the health data available on the iPad, I mean, it's there anyway. It's It must be like available to the iPad. It's not necessarily saved on their storage space concerns. You know, I'm sure that that is something that the, the Shortcuts team probably want to solve. And it's just a question of finding the right way to do that because the the iPad is obviously missing certain features that uh, health uh, uses, like the pedometer, automatic uh, activity tracking and stuff like that. But I'm sure we'll get there. That's one of my nerdy requests for iOS 13 is that health data on on all of iOS and also time data, you know, all the time tracking stuff it's doing and app tracking. I'd love to see what app developers could do with that if they made that available. And put it on the Mac too, please. That the screen time. I I want to know like where my time is going on all my devices, including my Macs, not just my iPads and iPhones. I waste way more time on the Mac than I do everywhere else. So. Well, you need to get Timing installed, or, or yeah, some well, kind of sponsor. I mean, yeah, it's it's just a case of like yeah. if it was all in one place, that would be perfect. You got any more uh, ones, Mike, that help you out in, as you get through the day? I have a super boring one, but I'll share it with you anyway. Okay. Uh, I work in advertising, right? Like I sell ads. It's like a a, bit, a big mm-hmm. thing that I do with my company, Relay FM, of which this show is a part of, which we're very happy with and very proud to have this show as a part of Relay FM. Um, but I have to work out what's called CPMs a lot, which is a cost per thousand. So we will give to, to advertisers, oh, this is how much it will cost you per 1,000 listeners or whatever. Um, so I have a CPM calculator shortcut which I can use in the widget and it just gives me a calculator. So when I press it, it's like, how many d- listeners does an episode have? So I type that in and then it's like, what is the cost of the ad that you're charging? 
and then it will tell me what the CPM is based upon those two figures. So it's like, I, you know, I looked up the exact way that you calculate it because sometimes I would get it around the wrong way. And then I just spent some time. I put it in uh, to shortcuts. And now I can just type out this little calculator thing whenever I want. This It's one of the, one of the uh, I think it's like a, a little tricky thing that's actually in uh, the shortcuts app, which I love, is that if you do use the um, ask for input and like with the calculate actions, it just formats a little calculator in the in the today widget. Yeah, yeah. which is yeah, really you, cute. You have to ask for input and specify that yep. it's numbers because the keyboard requires yep. the app to be open. But this is something that I'm. I mean, you say it's boring. I am betting loads of our listeners have certain things that they need to calculate on Ace fairly frequent basis but not frequent mm-hmm. enough that they can just do it off the top of their head and that is a great example and it's it was great is that you can if you have a this, and this was it right like i had a i had some common uh calculations that i needed to yeah. do and because of the way that shortcuts works you can do a lot of the like actual calculation part you just need to give it the input so i just give it the numbers and it does the calculations and i don't need to remember the formula yeah um but yeah as, as rose says you've got to say like input type is number um and when you're asking for input and then you can just type it right in which is i think is super cool i had a bunch of stuff i used to do through numbers spreadsheets like this you know for the legal side of my life like calculating dates, calculating interest on principle and things like that. And I've turned all of those into series shortcuts over the years for the same reason, because it's it's just at that point, it's just a robot that you just give the data to. It asks you in plain English what the data is, and it spits out an answer. And it's always available. And let me tell you, my uh, my my the one that I'm most happy with, but is the one that is hardest for me to explain. So... <laughs> I have a bunch of shows that I do and I like to do preparation for those shows, right? All good podcasts have good preparation. And so I have like a couple of things that's going on. So pretty much every day I'm doing some kind of prep for some show. Yeah. So I, and then there's two things that's going on here. I want to be able to quickly access the documents wherever they are, whether they're Google docs or sometimes Apple notes. And I also want to be able to set my toggle timers for time tracking. Sure. So I have a uh, an action that it starts with a menu and it asks me which show and it has all of my shows listed um, and I tap the show and then what will happen is uh, it goes it's like a, a it goes to each show and it takes the name this is kind of this is kind of complicated so I have a text box that takes the name of the show mm-hmm. then it triggers a toggle timer workflow where it's it, it basically it's pasting in the name of the show and that's how it adds which uh tag i'm using into toggle mm-hmm. does that make sense and then it goes back into uh shortcuts although i never see it because again i'm running it from the today widget and then opens the google doc that i need so i really like that one yeah. So uh, just to be clear, then your your podcast project in Toggle is probably just podcasting, right? And then you don't break it down into like one project for each show? Uh, I gave it the number. So yeah, well, I, I do like, so it's like show prep is the project. Okay. And okay. then all of my and shows you, are tags. Yeah. And the description of that is then the name of the podcast, which makes perfect sense exactly. for somebody with as many podcasts as you've got. Yeah. Yeah, I do so it the I other way around. I could be doing prep for like seven or whatever. But yeah, that's how I, I've run my toggle slightly inverse to most people that I know in that way. So I have like, I have the projects are, say, for example, show editing, uh, show prep, show recording, and then the tags and the names of each show. Okay. But that's good because especially with so many podcasts, then you probably have, a, you know, like a, you spend probably, I'm guessing, a significant amount of time recording and editing the shows and probably a little less time on the prep. Um, not to say that you slack off on the prep. You clearly don't. <laughs> but um, yeah. So but then, you know, you can see how much time you're spending. So if you need to get more, more time, it's really obvious that all of your time is probably sunk into editing. Uh, I'm guessing from listening to Cortex that Cortex mm-hmm. is uh, one of those big time sucks. <laughs> and yeah. then you can uh, see about ways to reduce that. That's related to the last episode as this one relates is actually time mm-hmm. tracking. So for anybody that missed that one, uh, go back and listen to automated time tracking. Yeah, I just think uh, anybody that's playing with things like Toggle, if you're not using series shortcuts, you're doing yourself a disservice because yep. it, um, it simplifies the process of that time tracking, you know. The problem with any time tracking where you have to throw switches that we're humans and we forget to throw switches. 
and um you know automator i'm sorry series shortcut type automation can really solve that problem for you uh, i i talked in the last show about how i have it like if i want to go into OmniFocus and sort out things i have a timer for planning and it runs that or you know no matter what you're doing the context of it you can not only kick off the action but you can kick off the timer with that would you be willing to share some version of that with us so we can show the listeners how you're pulling that off I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how useful it will be. At the very least, maybe we can do like a sanitized screenshot just to show people yeah. the example of what the menu entries, for example, that might, yeah. that might be. Yeah, that might be. Because the thing is, it will be very empty because it's, yeah. All, yeah, but we, I'm sure we can find a way to make it work. I mean, the, the biggest problem with sharing this is, of course, um, the toggle shortcuts um, themselves are going to be unique to every listener. You're not going to have the same projects as me or Mike or David. So no. if we share the shortcut with you, it will be broken. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think the best thing that we can do is uh, do a little uh, screenshot in the show notes so that we can show you how one of these looks so that you can put it together yourself. Yeah, I all of my toggle uh, workflows shortcuts are just built on Federico's work. So <laughs> um, he, he's, he did all of that work, so I didn't have to. And then yes. the other problem is the three of us are on the beta for this timering app, which may be out mm. by the time this app, by the time this podcast ships, but... The, yes. uh, you know, the, it, it basically it greatly simplifies the process. It, it takes what mm-hmm. used to be a web API call to a one step, um, series shortcut call. And it's very yeah. easy now. So in my shortcuts, I am still using the web stuff just because I had them all made beforehand. Yeah. Um, but I, I use timery for basically setting every single timer except my show preparation timers because just because I like having the extra step of having the specific Google Doc open, so I just haven't changed anything with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's not broken, then there's no reason to fix it, is there? Exactly. Well, you say that. (laughs) It's still broken, but I like to try and find ways to improve it because I can't leave it alone. As soon as I got time <laughs> reinstalled in the beta, I, I literally... I you ripped I, everything out? Yes, I yeah. threw all that web stuff overboard, man, because it is so much yep. faster having a, a native app just do it for you. Well, put it this way, that saved me about 50 shortcuts when we got the the both the toggle uh, shortcuts and the the and then this beta app timery as it is currently known. I hope it doesn't change names again. Um, I quite like the name, but yeah, that that's got rid of a lot of shortcuts for me which is great mm-hmm. and you can also just donate those directly to Siri so you can talk to your HomePod and be like hello HomePod can you turn on this timer for me and your HomePod will go mm-hmm yes I wanted to ask you both do you do that a lot do you ask your HomePod to start workflows I know that you mentioned it actually Rose when you were you guessed it on upgrade so I know that you do actually I just yes. remember but Dave do you do that do you ask your HomePod to start shortcuts for you I've been that's one of the most disappointing features for me of Siri shortcuts yeah it, it's, it, is I not find it doesn't work very well yeah, yeah and it, it's a real shame because then I'm I never do it because the times when I do do it I feel like I'm having to ask stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, just yesterday I tried again with a simple one, you know, um, and it's a, um, you know, when I take a shower, I have a timer called hygiene, you know, I said, mm-hmm. and the and the command is track hygiene. I mean, I, I don't think, and, and it was looking for a restaurant called hygiene on my HomePod. And <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, come on, man. It, it's like, it works fine on the phone. Like when I when I trigger yeah. Siri on the phone and and say those two words, it works every time. But uh, for some reason, I feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that HomePod integration because it's, uh, you know, that was one of the big promises at WWC, and I feel like it still has not delivered. Yeah, the one where I always have trouble is the when I do the the I'm home routine because I've just got home from work and I wanted to stop my my commuting timer. I wanted to turn on the lights, um, and I wanted to um, usually remind me to do something. I I do use reminders for just a few things just to have it like tell me, and uh, it doesn't work then because it hasn't. My iPhone hasn't yet connected to the Wi-Fi or the HomePod hasn't yet recognized that the iPhone is on the Wi-Fi and that one's frustrating. Um, so I usually trigger that on my Apple Watch now, which is uh, working quite nicely, I have to say. Yeah, that's something that could get better. Yeah, but, definitely. But, but Mike, you don't just do serious shortcuts. You also have gone down the rabbit hole of web automation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use, I use Zapier 
most pretty much entirely for my web automation now. Uh, I had some stuff in IFTTT, but moved it to Zapier because it had some additional functions. So one of my biggest ones is um, we started on upgrade doing this, and then I do it on a bunch of my other shows as well, is having people uh, tweet to us questions. Um, so for, you know, you can send out a tweet, for example, with the hashtag AskUpgrade, and it goes into a spreadsheet that I've created automatically without me needing to do anything. So then when we're when I'm preparing for upgrade, I can just look at the spreadsheet and all the tweets are in there. So it's doing a couple of things that I like. It's pulling the information that I want. So it's just getting the the name of the tweet. Uh, it's getting, you know, date and time so they can be easily sorted and also removed, right, when stuff's super old, so I can just take a bunch. But yeah, it's getting the the tweet and the URL in case I want to click through. But the thing that frustrated me about um, IFTTT, at least at the time when I was building this and before I moved it to Zapier, the only name field it would get was the Twitter username. And I didn't want that. I wanted the person's name. And yeah. so I would have to spend time every single episode clicking the URLs to get the name of the person. But IFTTT, sorry, but Zapier has the ability to grab the name field from the Twitter API. So that was one of the main reasons I moved it away uh, there. So it can, it grabs the person's name and their tweet, uh, which is super good because then I can just copy that straight out of the spreadsheet uh, and Google Sheets and just drop it into my Google Doc and it's all ready to go. So that that's one of the biggest things that I have like six or seven of these uh going on. Um so that's that like uh, that's just doing stuff for me all the time, which I really love. So a uh, big fan of that. Yeah, once you decide to invest in Zapier, you will find uses for it because oh yeah it's yep. just so much more powerful than IFTTT. It took me years. We did a show on Zapier a few months ago, and I've been mm-hmm. a happy subscriber since my Zapier list has grown because now it's just something, it's a tool in my tool belt now. And often, if I do anything that involves the web, I find that there's a way to connect something. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you talk about, uh, I mentioned it earlier, right, where it's like, oh, if you think shortcuts can do it, it probably can. The answer for Zapier is like, yeah, always. <laughs> Like if, there's if very very few service, things that can't yeah exactly like i had a thing where so we use uh freshbooks for our invoicing and we use slack right so these are like two tools that i have and i would love it and would have loved it if i could have got uh very specific actions in freshbooks to show up in slack i was able to build that with zapier because they both have apis so I, like i built a slack bot which is super easy to do like if you just build a simple one um, and all, Slack has really great documentation for this. And then it watches an RSS feed that FreshBooks provides and then just plugs it in to Slack. They may well have a, a like an official integration now, but I did this like a long time ago. And I use another really boring business tool called Pipedrive, <laughs> which is a like a sales management application. So like as we're working a deal through sales, like for a sale from like initial contact to interest to contract sent and stuff like that. And again, I built... Um, an integration with Pipedrive and with Slack and with Trello, because these are like different tools that we use for different stuff, so that when a deal is done, it pops up in both places. And so like I, I really like the way that Zapier makes it super easy to tie services together that don't necessarily officially integrate. It's really cool. And at this point for me, Zapier has become a gating issue for any web service I'm considering. Like I, <laughs> on the legal yes. side, I'm using a combination of the billing web service and the Airtable when I set up a new client. But then I thought, well, why don't I have a web service send the engagement letter to them with, you know, all mm-hmm. the details and the, you know, it's a, it's basically a fill in form, which I've been doing in pages for years with a keyboard maestro shortcut. But I thought, well, what what if I automate this on the web? So, of course, I went to Zapier and got a list of all the web-based document generation apps that that integrate with them. And now I'm going through them all to figure out if one of them is going to be acceptable to me because I like the idea of just automating it through. But but I have to go to Zapier now, any web service I'm considering, because if they don't have Zapier support, then they're dead to me. You know, I, I can't use them. It's not worth the investment, right? Yeah. You said engagement, and that, that made me uh, smile because it made me remember something. When uh, I got married uh, middle of last year, 
And we had a website set up. Uh, it was a Squarespace website where um, you, people would enter in their information into a form and it would go into Google Sheets, right? So this was like RSVPs. They put people would RSVP through the website, choose their like menu options through the website and stuff like that. And I set up uh, a Zapier action with Google Sheets and the app Pushover, mm-hmm. which is an iOS app that can give you push notifications from like the app, like the web service being pinged, right? So like it would yeah. it would look for something. So every time somebody filled in the, an RSVP, I would get a push notification to know that they'd done it, like because it was monitoring the Google Sheet for changes. But and it yeah. was super cool because with the way that Zapier worked, I could actually have the notification give me the name of the person because I could just watch these specific cell or this specific column. Yeah. And yeah, it was really awesome. That, that was really great. That was like one of those things I was like, yeah, I was really proud of myself. <laughs> have you discovered the joy that is Airtable yet, Mike? I played a round of Airtable a while ago and for some reason bounced off it. Yeah. I think we're going to, have to do a show on Airtable. I'm. I would. I would like to hear hear it. Actually, I want to know what you're using Airtable for. So it is taking over. Episode. It is taking <laughs> over. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. I mean, I, I like the sound of that. I'm on their website right now, and it looks nice. It looks like it's everything, like Trello and a calendar. It can be everything. Some of the views, unfortunately, are not available on iOS. So, for example, you can have... So, uh, for um, people who aren't familiar with Airtable, let's start at the beginning. It's a database service, um, which there's a free tier. There's a premium tier, a pro tier, and a business tier, I want to say. Enterprise tier is the final one. That's that's the final one, I know. Um, But essentially, it's a database with really nice views built into it so if you have a date column then you can have a calendar view of everything that has a date so for say mm. for example um I'm, I'm using this with tim stringer at learn omnifocus um we have like the the stuff that i'm producing for him and i just have a calendar view that also has an iCal subscription so i can have that in my calendar which means that also I can subscribe to that in, say, Google Calendar, and when a new event appears on that, I can have it mail dropped to OmniFocus with tasks to complete. And, oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Yeah. So uh, Airtable's good. We'll we'll do an episode on it. It's coming. Yeah. So. The, uh, Mike, when's the last time you did something with your automation that just delighted you? You know, I, I know that you're a nerd like the rest of us. Uh, it, sometimes it just makes you smile when this automation stuff works, right? Yes, let me think. I mean, the, the the all the wedding stuff was really good, right? Yeah. Because I felt like I oh I know. So uh, I record a show called The Pen Addict, which is a podcast about pens, believe it or not. And my co-host Brad has a very 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 bad internet connection, very bad. Yeah, it takes him a very long time to upload his files because he lives out in the sticks in Atlanta, and. I would find myself like having to keep periodically checking to see when it was uploaded. We use Google Drive because it's just the easiest thing for him uh, to upload. And it was very frustrating to me. And then I was like, remembered that I'd signed up for uh, the, what's the push notification app that I was just talking about? Pushover. There you go. I remember that I'd signed up for Pushover and I thought, interesting. So I went into Zapier <laughs> and I created a Zap which monitors our Google folder. And then when there's any change to it, I get a push notification. So I no longer have to be waiting around for Brad's file because my phone just tells me when it's there. And it was just, it, this is this is my favorite things about automation in general. It, of course, I'm preaching to the choir here, is how it can just take those little frustrations away. Or like another one, I have a Roomba, right? Yeah. And I like my HomePod. And you, it's possible using IFTTT to get all this stuff to talk together with like webhooks. Yeah. So I can ask my HomePod to start my Roomba because iRobot, the company who make Roomba, have an IFTTT action, but not a shortcut. But I've created a shortcut that will just ping the webhook and just trigger the IFTTT action. And we're going to include a post. Federico Vitici over at Mac Stories wrote a great post about how to do webhooks with IFTTT. My Roomba is in that post. Yeah, that's going to say Mike. <laughs> I recorded a little video for him. <laughs> Mike's Roomba is a starring role in that post. <laughs> I can't remember. Does your Roomba also talk in that post? 
Or is that uh, just no, on a... No, that's oh. just a Relay FM member special. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I do remember hearing from Mike's Roomba uh, at some point. And uh, if you are not a Relay FM member and you would like to hear Mike's Roomba talking, then you, you should uh, sign up and try that's that a out. Whole, that's a whole There's a lot thing. of great member content. You know, all this Roomba talk is really dangerous to me. It sounds like fun, but I, I have great. basically, uh, like my uh, studio is cork and I have wood floors. I'm not sure that it, it really would be worth it. Well, we use we have wood floors. Oh, yeah, man. we do you're too. Not, you're not helping me, man. Don't get one yet, though, Dave. Wait, because they have a new model that's coming out that looks even better. Because it it will learn your house, and you can ask it to go to certain rooms. It's the one yeah. thing I wish Roomba did. And they have new models coming out that will do that. Of course, they do. So don't buy one yet. I have the Nito Botvac D7, and you can tell it to go clean like the hallway. Um, And you can even manually drive it if you want to. I have no idea why you would want to manually drive your your Nito. I I have this stuff sometimes where, like, I'm trying to get the Roomba to go home and it won't do it. Like, it just keeps bouncing into the sofa. And, like, if I could just drive it, I could help it. Like, I'm kind of, like, chasing the thing around the house trying to get it to go back to the home. Oh, ours never struggles to go home. It got stuck under the toilet yesterday. Don't ask me how. I came home. Well, you see, that's when you can drive it out, right? (laughs) Uh... I'll have to try driving it out next time. I know for a fact that I couldn't drive it out from work. Um, but it also sent me a message to say it was like stuck on something. And if I could please help it get free. And I came home and it just tried to climb into the toilet. Somewhere. Help, I'm yep. stuck. <laughs> I, I once had a notification from my Roomba that said, help, I'm on a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, it was like, I'm on a ledge or a cliff. And it was just on the rug. I don't know what the problem was, but it was very upset. Is your rug black? Yes. There you go. They they struggle with black rocks. Oh, yeah, of course they do. Because there's no light. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yep, Infrared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they uh, um, they have that Brava product, which basically pushes around a cloth. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a mopping one, right? Yeah. Or like so a buffing one. We have that. It was made by a, a prior manufacturer years before, and we bought it. We've had ours like five years. I've replaced the battery in it twice. Um and it's great for the wood floors. It pushes around and it picks up a lot of stuff. But I don't know. I just feel like I need to, to up my game at some point. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll put that on my nerd, uh, my nerd uh, toy list. Yeah. So, so Mike, um, what is automation? Where's automation failing you right now? You know, if you were in charge at Apple, uh, what would you do to improve the systems that you have? Mm. I I really do think that the Siri stuff could be better. And I know this is like a such an often used for, like complaint at this point, but I was so excited with the idea of being able to trigger these shortcuts with Siri. And it just, it just hasn't panned out for me in the way that I wanted it to. Right. Like I just feel like it's not as reliable as I would, as I would have liked it to be. Um, and this is with just Siri on the phone Siri on the HomePod. And also just, you know, talking about that as well, like the way that my HomePod can't do things that my phone can, I really wish that that wasn't the case considering the fact that the HomePod always tries to take the request. Yeah. And and, and it makes it very frustrating. Um, I would also just like to have, you know, again, stuff that everybody wants, right? Like the ability to run things just automatically on a timer in the background without my input. Um, The ability to be able to uh, have a a little bit of a conversation with Siri, Mm -hmm. which I have enabled, you know? So like, ask me for this input and I will give it, but like all verbally, but let's get the basics with Siri right first. But like, these are the types of things that I would, that I would ideally like to see. Um, yeah. And it's all shortcuts related for me. Right. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I also want to see just more tools. I, I, I'm interested to see what more stuff the shortcuts team will do mm-hmm. more than anything. I don't want it to stop. And I would love to see shortcuts on the Mac as well, because oh, yeah. if I ever want to build something, I would like to be able to do that. And also I think that they could build a really cool Mac or iPad like more advanced editing tool um, than than what they have right now with shortcuts, you know, like stuff to allow you to like copy and paste actions and move things around in big chunks and, you know, like stuff like that. I would really, and I think that would be a great use case for the Mac, right? Like to be able to let you kind of open it up and play around with it that way, kind of more on mass, I suppose. 
Yeah, I feel, I feel like the more they give us with series shortcuts, the more we want. I mean, I'm super happy. I mean, it's hard to believe that in just, what has it been out, like six months now, um, we have nearly, you know, automation-friendly tasks out of nearly every application on our devices. But that just opens up all the questions we've been asking throughout the show. How do I make it trigger easier? How do I go deeper with this? How do I organize these better? And these are growing problems, but the... um but I, I hope they just put the gas down on that and that we get we get farther with that this year at WWDC. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Well, Mike, thanks so much for coming on and sharing a few of your automations with us. I, oh, I, pleasure. I, you know, anybody listening to the show, I, I think Mike's a great example of someone who hasn't made a career out of automation, but yet uses automation every day to help their career. And I think that's mm-hmm. the goal of this show, if you're listening, uh, where you hit those pain points uh, hopefully, we're giving you the tools and the knowledge to to build your own shortcuts or your Apple scripts or whatever it is that you need uh, to get your work done, get home a little earlier, and enjoy your life more. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get some of the stuff from Mike, or we'll even just build similar versions. We'll put out with the show, so you can download or see. We'll figure out something once the show releases. Mm-hmm. Just just check out the show notes. And um and Mike, where can people find you? So many places. Uh, I'll say two places. Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Instagram. And at Relay FM. Go relay.fm slash shows. You can see a list of all of the great shows that we have, including a bunch that I'm on, but a bunch of shows that I'm not on. But we have lots and lots and lots of options for you there. If you like this show and don't listen to any other Relay FM shows, oh boy, do we have a treat for you. <laughs> There's oh, going to yeah. be something in there that you're going to enjoy. I'm sure of it. Definitely. And for anybody who doesn't listen to any other Relay shows and they want a recommendation to get started with, I would highly recommend both Mac Power users and Cortex. I think that there's definitely something for listeners of this show in both of those shows. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Rose, do you do uh, Instagram? I do. I am Rosemary underscore Orchard on Instagram. I don't post that many pictures, but I do like a lot of pictures, including the cute ones that Mike posts every so often. Yeah, I'm I'm doing Instagram more now than before as well. I'm at Max Sparky there, and I really uh, I'm really starting to get it. It's like it's more fun than Twitter for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I use uh, stories more than I post to my feed. Um, but yeah, I, I love it for consuming and also for uh, for content, like adding content, creating content. So it just makes me feel happy. Where some other social networks can be a little bit more tiring. And Mike, what's your uh, your name on Instagram? Uh, I'm Mike. I-M-Y-K-E. Okay. All right. Well, everybody, we're the automators. You can find the uh, notes for the show over at relay.fm slash automators. This is episode 16, so it'd be relay.fm slash automators slash 16. We will be back in a few weeks with some more automation. Thanks again, Mike, for joining, and uh, everybody keep automating. <laughs>